Welcome. You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. And me, Reverend Terry Menevigal. Just a note, there are spoilers here. Okay. Wow. So we're back. Season two. Season two. Outlander Soul. Yeah. So this episode, we are focusing on Jamie's prayers and Celtic spirituality. There's going to be two episodes. So we're going to kind of start with a bit of an introduction, kind of setting the context of around sort of Celtic spirituality. And then we'll spend the second half of this episode talking about that. Then we'll talk a bit about Jamie's spirituality and his prayers specifically and then we'll we'll continue that in the second episode yeah and last season we talked so much about claire we're we're, we're trying to kind of balance this out whereas you know claire had this really rather large and very clear arc in her spiritual development jamie's Mm -hmm. is not quite as obvious I guess is the best word to say. And I, I think there's still an arc there. I think we're going to be talking a little mm. bit about that as well. You yeah. know, what, what happens to a person in 25 years <laughs> or 30 years? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Jamie's spirituality has been fairly fixed in the sense of because he's the anchor. Maybe his or, faith but, you has know, been but fixed. Could, but, you know. I, his faith has been fixed. Yeah, yeah. his faith has been yeah. fairly consistent. But I, I don't know about mm. necessarily how that faith interacts with with his experiences. So I guess that's a, that's Mm. the, that's the question I think for spirituality and, Mm. and as you, as you grow Mm. in your awareness of how the world works, a lot of that depends upon your experience. So a bit about context. Um, I mean, obviously (laughs) Outlander is set in, in Scotland, uh, or at least with Scottish characters. And so the influence of Celtic spirituality is pretty important, I think. And it's beautiful the way Diana includes that. Before we get into all of this really, really great stuff, let's go back to our listeners. You guys have not been completely silent. Well, we took a small break to have a hurricane, 10 tornadoes, and a trip to Montana. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, And lots of work, too. Uh, yeah. we, we, we have not just been uh, uh, in a cellar or on vacation. Gosh, and no. it's <laughs> There's been lots more happening. We've been working, and I wish we could get into it all, but we've been doing some really great things. Yeah. And and this coming season, mm-hmm. some really amazing things are happening. So I just want to kind mm-hmm. of say that it's it's not just going to be like last season where we're getting started and introducing mm-hmm. our audience to this way of having a conversation about a story. But th- this this season, actually, we've got some we've got special guests. We're going to be doing another conference. It's it's going to be really really fun. But before yeah. we get into to all of that and before we surprise you with all of these amazing things we do still have some listener feedback so we weren't in silos and neither were you and we're grateful that you guys have kept the conversation going on so we mm. heard from lily jamie mm-hmm. can you tell us what lily had to say and so lily um, writes that well i'm just gonna read it she says i'm a 29 year old virgin i've never been in a relationship And Outlander gives me one source of information on what relationships are like. I realize that their relationship is idealized, but it still shows a couple getting to know each other and working through their problems. I wanted to say... Lily, thank you for for telling us that and to say that you're not you're not the only one. No, um, no, no. There are quite a few that I I know of that are in that position. I myself not anymore, but but was mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, I think Outlander is that for a lot of people. So I just want to want to acknowledge that 
that that's well, real. I think it's kind of beautiful that you can yeah. see that, that Diana has given people who have not either a been in a relationship or have been in good relationships or to kind of a, a, a view into a slice of what that might be like. It's lovely to see something that is, it's real in the sense that there are real deep emotions there and we, we really do get caught up in that. And I know that Jamie is fantasy. I know that he is, you know, <laughs> this, this, this perfect person type thing. And, and Claire seems to be somewhat well, perfect, but yeah. but they really kind of aren't. And that's, He's imperfect too, but yeah, yeah. yeah, both of them are, but yeah. I think that that it's a, it's a wonderful service but beyond that, it's also just a wonderful way in which this text is used. Thank you, Lily, yeah. for sending us that. To sort of set the context a bit for what we're going to talk about, so Jamie's prayers and Celtic spirituality. So what what do we mean by Celtic spirituality? Well, Celtic spirituality was based... Well, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, the Celts, what? right? And who are the Celts? Um, who are the Celts? To be honest with you, there's actually been quite a bit of academic debate about that. Who we know of as Vikings and Celts and Saxons are maybe are not as fixed and a little bit more diverse than, than what we previously knew. Okay. But where the Celts tend to be sort of based around these islands of Ireland, Scotland, Gaul within what is now France. There's part, there's Celtic influence there. Northern Spain, there's a, a strong Celtic influence there as well. It's a tradition that is pre-Christian and then when uh, Christianity came to to this part of Europe, gosh don't quote me on this but I, right offhand I'd say kind of around the 500s or so. Something um, like that. Maybe even a little bit earlier but not by much. So when Christianity came in, the Celts when they converted, when they became Christian themselves, found a way of integrating their Christianity, which at that time was was Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, because obviously it wasn't Catholicism at the time. At the time, it was just Christianity. They found a way of basically combining their Christianity with their own, what sometimes people refer to as pagan. I don't think it's a bad thing to refer to something as pagan. Their own naturalist, tribal, indigenous religious tradition right and so th um, there's a big word for that and so this is your vocabulary for the week your vocabulary word for the week <laughs> is called syncretism so yeah. yeah so when you you can hear my dog in the background itching yes there she goes again <laughs> uh, so syncretism is when a religion takes on elements rituals beliefs of another religion and you bring the two of them together into one mm. when christianity travels from palestine and then it makes its way into europe and it, it ends up in rome mm -hmm. and we end up with the holy roman empire and then that you know mm -hmm. the roman empire extends out into britannia and so you end up with christianity coming to britannia and it's kind of hard to get an entire people to just give up their beliefs because somebody says you have to. What's easier mm -hmm. is if yeah. you get that new tradition, that new religion to work with the indigenous one. And that's when it becomes mm -hmm. syncretized. That's my little spiel. <laughs> yeah, well, an example of that happening, well, 
whether it's true or not, we don't know. But the story of St. Patrick going to Ireland and teaching about the Trinity by using the shamrock. The connection to nature, the connection to land and plants would have been quite strong. Mm -hmm. And so to use something that was part part of their natural environment in order to teach them a fairly complex theological construction about the Trinity, you know, would be an example of that. I think what's important, though, when we talk about syncretism, is for us to notice or to pay attention to the fact that there is no religion that's not syncretistic. Correct. There is nothing that is pure, that everything has been, if we want to use the language of purity, everything that's been tainted or contaminated or affected or changed by the influence of something else. So even, you know, what we would talk about as kind of the early church and new, you know, New Testament, early church Christianity would have been syncretistic in its Hellenistic and and Roman sort of religion. Well, even Roman religion uh, was Judaism. syncretized from the Hellenistic religions, and even the Absolutely. Hellenistic traditions were syncretized from the Babylonian traditions. You know, so it's you know yeah. you've got you've yeah. got tons and tons of building upon building upon and taking what the people need to mm-hmm. feel connected to each other and to a mystery that they don't mm-hmm. quite understand. So, if you look at any of our rituals, many of our rituals in the Christian tradition have been syncretized Mm. from either Jewish traditions, some of them have been syncretized from Islamic traditions, if you look at things like the rosary, Mm -hmm. and others have been syncretized from the pagan traditions, particularly Celtic ones. So the Celtic tradition, once Christianity comes into into Celtic areas, it became known as, well, known for, I should say, is, well, obviously, I mean, pre-Christian, the Celtic tradition was focused on the land, focused on animals, that kind of stuff. And the way in which things changed was the insertion of Jesus or the language around the Christ Mm -hmm. as opposed to other deity forms. And even the story of St. Brigid. So St. Brigid's day is the 1st or 2nd of February. It's the celebration of the spring within the Celtic, Celtic spiritual tradition. And St. Bridget was a goddess prior to Christianity. And then she becomes a a saint. And, you know, whether she's a historical figure or not, again, you know, it doesn't really matter. As far as the tradition goes, she's still someone who's seen to be a protector and the one who brings light. So Celtic spirituality and and Celtic Christianity kind of merge in a really strong way. And so prayers that we see Jamie pray throughout the series are extremely Celtic and not only in, you know, the language that he's speaking as Gaelic, uh, Scots Gaelic especially, but also show or give a model for for that connection, that everything, everything is connected. Celtic Christianity would have an emphasis on kind of panentheism where, so pantheism would be the, this idea that God is everything or everything is God. Whereas panentheism is God is in everything or God is present in all all things. Right, right, right. Um, And so again, that connection is, is really important. Right. An interesting contribution that I, I find really useful is the Pelagian heresy we hear a lot about. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily heretical. It's a different point yeah. of view and actually a point of view that a lot of people in Christianity today have. Yeah. So tell us yeah. tell us a little bit about You'll hear us. Yeah. <laughs> about Pelagius and who Pelagius yeah. was. I think he was in the was he in the f- third or fourth century, I believe. Is that mm. correct? 
Trying to remember. I should know, know this. Hand, but I don't. It's about the it's about the same time. Oh well Saint Augustine was what, five fifty, five sixty? And he so was... he he was a contemporary of Augustine, wasn't he? No, I, I thought Augustine was in the third century. Well, Augustine has a he he there is a heresy trial and Augustine is there. Okay. Um, so no, he's in around, okay, so he was born Augustine was born in three fifty four. And he okay. dies in 430. So you're right. It's the 4th and 5th century. And Pelagius... Okay. 5th century, not 500. Okay, so, yeah. and so then Pelagius... Pelagius was born in 360 and died in 418. So yeah. So they did live they at the did, same time. They, they were contemporaries. Yeah. I I mean, lots of things the church called heresy that, that may or may not have been. Always, again, uh, kind of... <laughs> feminist theology, a hermeneutic of suspicion. <laughs> In whose interest or whose power does this decision serve? But yeah, so Pelagius was a was a Celt, or at least someone who was thought to be from this area. And and I say this area because we haven't said this, but I live in the UK. So yeah, that that's why I keep saying that. So Pelagius had this idea that we can work toward righteousness that uh, we are saved in some ways by our good works, or at least that's the way the heresy is presented, right? So Pelagius was heavily informed by the epistle of James. Mm -hmm. James is kind of the anomaly in the letters Mm -hmm. of the New Testament. You get so many letters from Paul and Pauline theology having to do with being saved by grace, being saved by grace. But James, yeah. James is, is very different. And James is like, hmm. be ye doers of the words and not hearers only. If you don't have your act together and actually do the things you say you believe, then how do we know you actually believe mm-hmm. them? And those things that you do mm-hmm. actually do affect your soul. So you can't just yeah. you can't just get by on this idea of cheap grace. And so what what our scripture does and what the folks who 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 allowed James the book of James to be in the New Testament is they they held those two things in tension. Um, mm-hmm. so that you've got mm-hmm. a little bit of both, but Pelagius is on one side with James saying, mm-hmm. you know, actually you're you're born kind of with a, you know, a good soul and and with a conscience, yeah. we are born good. Yeah, we, we are that, born good that, it, that is this understanding that God has created us and we are yeah. good. And the things that you do, the choices that you make, really do affect your mortal soul. And so, mm-hmm. so he's much more of a free will kind of guy. He's much yeah. more of a free. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's much more of a free. And, and so is the book of James. The book of James is much more mm-hmm. on the free will side, which is why Martin Luther wanted mm-hmm. to just take it out after the Reformation. Yeah, that you you make make choices. But but intrinsically, it is, again, about the goodness of goodness of the world. Yeah. And that there are evil forces that come in that we do do bad, but it's not. There is an idea of original blessing as opposed to original sin. And and most of the original sin theories that we have are from Augustine. Oh, yeah. And Augustine <clears throat> was Augustine was the bishop of Hippo, which was a fairly mm-hmm. uh, important church back in mm-hmm. the day. So this was right this was be, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred years or so or right about the time that the Ro- Holy Roman Empire was actually taking place. So ch- Christianity went underground mm-hmm. for 300 years after Christ uh, after Christ 
uh, birth, death, and what have you. And so Christianity goes underground because it's illegal to be a Christian. And sometimes, sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes they just enjoyed throwing you to the lions and such. And then, <laughs> because it was fun, it was fun. So then one of the emperors becomes, Constantine becomes a Christian. Through his, mm-hmm. his conversion, later the empire becomes the Christian empire that, you, that still affects us today. And during mm-hmm. that time, or during the time right after that, Augustine became a very strong voice for Christianity. And his theory mm-hmm. of original sin is the one that ultimately gets... Yeah, and. ultimate. So politically, <laughs> Augustine and Pelagius are against each other. They're not just against each other theologically. I mean, I can sit in a room with somebody I disagree with theologically and we'll be fine politically, but they they are like power struggling with each other. And yeah. and I mean, it's and there's definitely the role of empire absolutely. here that we, you know, we need to be talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. If they were still underground, they wouldn't have cared. But but this no. this has no. to do with the empire and how the empire is going to spread Christianity and whose whose story is going to win. So so Jamie tell us what the doctrine of original sin is for those of our listeners who don't know it. Well, I I actually think that's the heresy. But um <laughs> yeah, that we're all um we're all worms basically. We're all <laughs> born to sin, we're all born to evil. And Augustine's idea is that he was saved by something that was so much beyond himself. And that original sin is just, there is nothing that we are ever going to be able to do, basically, to enter into God's presence because we are so sinful, because we are so weak. And and that's the other thing, too, that Augustine talks about how weak he was or is as a person and that he tries so hard but can never, never achieve, which then has impact on how we understand then what the atonement and what, what Christ right did when Christ went to the cross. So it becomes atonement um, theology. And s- right. It becomes atonement theology, yeah, it, which comes straight out of most of the letters from Paul. Yeah. So if we are talking kind of, yeah, Paul versus James is very similar to Augustine versus, versus Pelagius. Yeah. It does concern, I think, that central doctrine of atonement, whereas Pelagius is saying, you know, or believing that we are intrinsically good as opposed to being intrinsically corrupt. And that Christ's action on the cross is more about victory and about giving us a model for laying down our lives, for being the ones who look after each other, who provide protection, who are committed to the well-being of our community, as opposed to focusing on sin. Right. What I, what I love about the Pelagian understanding is that if you kind of buy into this idea that you're born good and that there mm-hmm. are, you have options you then mm-hmm. have the power to choose something good. You have within mm-hmm. you the power and the strength and the ability to choose what is good. And so it really puts you in conversation with a God or another or the universe mm-hmm. to, to really consider your actions and to and to consider that your actions do have implications not just to your soul but to everyone else around you and you're you're oriented toward a yes toward a positive yeah, toward yeah. a there is something worth doing here as opposed to an orientation towards negativity or restraint or keeping yourself towards shame yeah. all of those things that that a lot of us 
left church for? Right. Tired of being made to feel like we weren't worth anything or that nothing we could do would be good enough. But for our Augustine fans out there, St. Augustine, mm. the Bishop of Hippo. He, he did he, say he some good stuff. Some, he actually but. said some good stuff. I don't agree with a lot of what he said, but the idea of original sin comes from the fact that Adam and Eve did sin in the garden and what they what they do there when they choose the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil against what god has said that actually mars our souls and not just and and not just them individually they then pass it is passed on genetically like a virus through sex yes through sex (laughs) which again augustine wasn't all about until after he you know he he was about it for a long time because he was quite Mm. the party until until yeah he was quite the party guy yeah and then um actually actually he met jesus and then he said, and then he said, I would like to send some more first before I, before I give this all up. He's like, I want to be saved, but not just quite right now. And so, yeah. so he knew, but he felt like it was more of a genetic thing. And so anything we try mm-hmm. to do, we cannot ever mm-hmm. reach the beauty or the purity or the truth or the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. We can try but we'll never ever get there. We're always starting from the We're negative in debt. Yes. And so we we always no matter what we try, we're always going to make a decision that is tainted. We are perverted mm. in birth. And so we're always going to choose mm. the, the evil unless we have a savior or a god or a universe that helps pull us over to the good and so what what that does Mm -hmm. is it actually takes a little bit of the you know for for the people who had addictions like he probably did for the people Mm -hmm. who've got some issues or who have done some terrible things it helps kind of take that weight off of them a little bit by saying look it's you know this is the way I was born and thank God for the grace of helping me get out of it because honestly it's not about me and that's really useful for a lot of people and that's kind of a good spin for Augustine but I think that what Mm -hmm. happens later in the church in the Catholic and the Protestant traditions is the doctrine of original sin gets Mm -hmm. so convoluted that we then do feel like worms you can try and you can try and you can try you're never going to do it right and I'm like, well, what the hell? I just did something right. Why even bother? You know, why even bother yeah. doing something good? I will just screw it up. But going back to going back to why we love Pelagius, yeah, okay? yeah. Um, and Celtic spirituality <laughs> is. Let me first start. If you're interested in learning more about this, I'd really recommend a book by a guy named Michael Fox called Original Blessing. He picks this apart a little bit more. Okay, so here's an example of a prayer that was prayed within Celtic Christianity. There is no plant in the ground, but is full of his virtue, meaning God's virtue. There is no form in the strand, but is full of his blessing, strand being a beach. There is no life in the sea, there is no creature in the river, there is naught in the firmament, but proclaims his goodness. There is no bird on the wing, there is no star in the sky, there is nothing beneath the sun, but proclaims his goodness. And of course he's, he's not talking about humanity here, but there is a strong vein of natural theology within Celtic Well, and it tradition. reminds me of ancient Hebrew um, theology too, that's very psalmic. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, it sounds is. like it, yeah. it it sounds like it came straight from the psalms an ancient irish commentary on psalm 19 says the elements sound and show forth the knowledge of yeah. god yeah and then saint columbanus is even more sort of emphatic in that in that if you wish to know the creator you need to understand creation yeah, yeah. that we are not just mm-hmm. the unfortunate mistake <laughs> no and and understanding that people are the creation yeah. too and not something separate i think that's that's really important right. from within the within the celtic tradition going back to outlander yeah. because you know kind of want to weave this in we sort of set the set the context i think the series seems to have a much more pelagian view of sin or of wrongdoing and that's why i think understanding that Pelagian versus Augustine debate is, is really important because we see that in how Jamie prays and how he responds. Even Jamie says to Claire in Drums of Autumn that, that he is her conscience. So I think there's a perspective on sin or, or on wrongdoing or on how we function yeah. is, you know what, we're doing doing the best we yeah, can. Yeah. And that's okay. What I find really interesting is that, so Jamie comes from this this Celtic background this celtic understanding Mm -hmm. of his Mm -hmm. catholicism and yet Mm -hmm. augustine has so strongly influenced modern day and by modern day i mean anything past the reformation understanding of Mm -hmm. catholicism he's holding these two things Mm -hmm. together he's syncretizing even himself because it's roman catholicism and celtic spirituality but he doesn't seem to break a sweat over it he doesn't seem to hold in tension the idea of free will versus divine purpose or free will versus you know everything is set in motion by god ahead of time and determinism he doesn't seem to waste time thinking about this he just seems to accept that yeah, God might have a purpose somewhere, but I still got to do this stuff, and God is in everything, and things change. He he doesn't seem to yeah. question that. Claire questions that a lot more. She's the time traveler, though. Well, I think the whole time travel side yeah. of things brings that question into effect. I mean, we'll do an episode just on time travel and free will and yeah, predestination yeah. and how all that works, or at least how the series presents it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, Claire does ask that question a lot. The series just never really talks about sin, which is interesting that we get some Presbyterian characters at the end. <laughs> um, and those who are focused on sin are the ones that are that are set out to be the hyper-Calvinist, uh, Hiram, Hiram. Yeah, Father Bain. Tom Christie. Well, Father Bain was Catholic. Yeah, yeah so the the bad, the bad Christians, <laughs> the, the ones who are legalistic, the ones who make life difficult for everybody else, that kind of stuff, are the ones who are focused yeah. on sin. Everybody else, get yep. on with it. You have a quote here that came from the Scots and the Sassanach, which is a podcast. And they don't do which it anymore, sad. which makes me yeah, sad. But, sad. I, you know, I, I, I understand. They divorced. And so, you know, hey, that's kind of how things happen. They were doing lectures and sort of read read-alongs, that kind of stuff. And so they were doing a lecture for Dragonfly and Amber. And I think it was uh, Alistair who said that a matter of observances and practices rather than something more central to a sense of himself and his place in the world that's how he was understanding his celtic spirituality that it was observances and practices yeah rather than central so it was more cultural and i more cultural it's part yeah. of this thing that i grow up i grow up i walk into a house or walk into a church across myself without even thinking yeah no i totally I, disagree I, with that I, I, I disagree with that as well yeah i don't think jamie's faith 
everybody's faith is cultural to some extent or even to a large extent I'd say but for Jamie I think it's a deep and it's abiding and it's alive and and his repeated prayers Lord that she might be saved she and the child throughout the time that Claire and and Jamie are separated I think reflects true intercession true belief and it's not obsessive superstition it's not a mantra that is observance and practice it is central to who he is i think too i I remember in voyager the moment Mm -hmm. that he takes out his little box so he's 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 at hellwater and he takes mm-hmm. out the little box of, of his saint, and he takes out the candle, yeah. and he lights it, and Willie mm-hmm. comes in and sees it. This is right before he baptizes yeah. Willie, yeah. First of all, it would be a illegal for him to do that. It would be very, very mm-hmm. bad. They would discover that he was a Scots. Mm-hmm. They would discover that he was a Scots at Culloden. They would discover that he's Catholic because mm-hmm. he's in a Protestant family at the time, and he's already in mm-hmm. danger anyway because Willie looks a lot like him, but he still does this practice. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mm-hmm. think it's just... As we've said before, I don't think his faith and his spirituality is just the furniture in the room of his of his life. It's it's not just yeah. the thing that, you know, you walk in and, oh, there it is, and I'll sit on it here whenever I feel like I need to. And we talked about that when we were mm-hmm. talking about Claire, that when she was growing up, her Catholicism was a little more like that. It's just, oh, yeah, it's in the background there mm-hmm. somewhere. That's just kind of what you do. It's, it's, it's a yeah. cultural thing. You know, my friends who mm-hmm. are culturally Jewish— but they're atheists. Mm. They go mm-hmm. through the rituals and they go through the rites. When it comes to big important things like weddings and funerals, they stick to their ritual. They stick to their rite. Whether they believe in God or mm-hmm. not does not really actually fall into the equation. It's this is what yeah. you do. Yeah. I don't think that's the case with Jamie. I think Jamie mm. actually does have this relationship that when he says this prayer, Lord, that she might be safe, she and the child... It's a reflexive type of thing because God is always with him. It's it's a reflection yeah. of saying, yes, you're with me, and oh, by the way, keep her safe. There's the Bible verse in Thessalonians towards the end that says, pray without ceasing. And this is that. This is always mm-hmm. keeping that in mind. And to be fair, I mean, when the podcast, when Alistair was talking about that, it was a dragonfly and amber lecture. So, and we're referencing stuff that was beyond or yeah, past yeah. that point in the story. So maybe up to that point, it's seen that way, but I never got that impression. And even the Scottish prisoner, I think Jamie's inner life is much more visible in the Scottish prisoner oh, yeah. than anywhere else because... We're seeing it from his point of view. Yes. The rest of the story, we don't really, we see, occasionally we see Jamie's point of view, but on the whole, the, the emphasis is on Claire and her point yeah. of view. And so, of course, we don't see Jamie's inner life as much as we do in The Scottish Prisoner. But he is talking about God's call in his life, which we talked about before. He prays constantly throughout that book and perceives answered prayer so he's paying attention to what's happening around him in the light of the prayers that he's asked you know he feels the presence of the bog man at least signaling a spiritual sensitivity so maybe not necessarily christian but this sensitive to what is happening around him that if it's just cultural observance he would not be feeling right and he would not be doing so those are, I think those aren't markers of observances and practices. It, if he were merely cultural, he wouldn't have developed the community at Ardsmere that he did. Claire's return to him was perceived to be the miracle of miracles. Right. You know, she was the resurrection for him in some right. ways. Not to, you know, be on my high horse about that. But I, I think Jamie's spirituality is written in a very 
alive and real way. So going back to like the idea of the syncretism into the Celtic spirituality mm-hmm. and the Celtic traditions, I think knowing that his wife is special and believing that she is somehow differently, she's the white woman, she is the la dame blanche, she is the wise woman. And secretism allows for you to believe in Jesus and exactly. the white woman. <laughs> it, 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 well, it, it says yeah. that they're special. That doesn't preclude Jesus at all. <laughs> it, it, you no. know, Jesus no. is an event that happens over here, but these are also special women. And so mm-hmm. in asking his wife to bless him, and that does happen in Dragonfly and Amber. So in asking mm-hmm. his wife to bless him as a wise woman, and she does it in other mm-hmm. occasions, he asks for blessings from his wife, yeah. knowing that she can yeah. actually procure a blessing. That she has some kind of power. That that kind of power and that kind of grace mm-hmm. can flow through her is actually saying this, mm-hmm. God is in this person in this way. And so it is somewhat yeah. Pelagian and it's pan- panentheism. What, what did you call that? Panentheism. panentheism. Yeah. yeah. That God is mm-hmm. in her and working. Prayers also within Celtic spirituality, you'll hear or you'll hear the, his Grolic prayer when he kills an animal. That is something that is common in a lot of indigenous traditions. And so the Celtic tradition be, would be one of yep. those. The prayers that he prays as he skins the bear that just attacked him <laughs> and that the Native Americans see him do and find then commonality and they sense his spirituality as he does yeah. that. And the Grolic prayer being the prayer of thanksgiving over the animal, the prayer for the animal's spirit. Recognizing the life the animal has given. I, I, I've got mm-hmm. a funny story about that. So <laughs> I had read about this in Native American traditions. And I actually remember mm-hmm. watching, I think I may have talked to you guys about this, Eskimo winter and Eskimo snow, which is just the most horrible thing because we don't yeah. say Eskimo. So this was back in the 80s when I was in college. And I remember in one of the scenes that they do kill the seal and they immediately mm-hmm. pray over the seal and each person takes a piece of the liver and eats it as a way of honoring the seal that just died. I mm-hmm. think of that fairly often. And I used to direct a program called Project Burning Bush at Union Presbyterian Seminary. And, and for any of you guys out there listening who are my Project Burning Bush kids, whoop, whoop. I'm talking to you. (laughs) I prayed before a meal one time for all of the high school kids. And in the prayer, I blessed the hands that made the food. And then I thanked the animals (laughs) that gave their lives (laughs) for this. Because, you know, that seemed a good thing to do. And after I did that, I'm opening my eyes. And everybody's looking at me and then looking at their plates like, oh, my God, this was an animal. Oh, no, something gave its life. (laughs) It's not just this big hunk of red something. It's actually muscle from a living being. And yeah. I was I was teased. I was teased relentlessly for the rest of those That's two weeks fine. for doing that. Because, you know, the idea that you are taking a life to preserve your own, mm-hmm. I, I find that to be absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful, particularly if you do believe that God is in everything. You have just taken the life Mm -hmm. that belongs to God. That's a responsibility that you've taken upon yourself Mm -hmm. to preserve yourself and your family. And so the Thanksgiving prayer and the Thanksgiving for the animal and the prayer for their soul or their spirit is is pretty beautiful. I mean, I know some people who are vegan for that reason. They don't want to kill anything, believing that that God is is in animals and all of it. Well, one question that I had is when Jamie prays over Dougal, after he kills him at the end of 
Dragonfly and Amber? Or he asks Willie to pray for Dougal. Dougal, of course, at the end of Dragonfly and Amber, threatens to kill Claire because they're plotting to kill the Bonnie Prince. They've reached mm-hmm. Culloden. Maybe they can still stop it by assassinating Prince Charles. And Dougal hears them and comes in and tries to kill her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jamie steps in and kills Dougal. Just as he has killed Dougal, Willie, one of the young men who are fighting with them, sees it all and he's he's mortified he's horrified because jamie has just killed the captain of his troops and so this is not just an act of murder it's an act of treason and so jamie yeah. has to be killed and jamie jamie begs him for an hour so he can get claire to the stones and get her out of Culloden and keep their baby safe and so mm. he he's like man just give me an hour i promise you i will be back you have my word and he's like well i don't know what i can do what should i do mm-hmm. and he says Pray for Dougal's soul and also pray for my own. So yeah, it's not probably a garlic prayer so much as a light a candle for me yeah, um, yeah. in that kind of way. So probably more of a traditional Catholic understanding in that way. Of, yeah, or, it's, or praying it's, for protection though too, right? right? right. Which, which is an, an element in, in Celtic spirituality. Obviously. Absolutely. So. Yeah, the idea that, you know, the soul will go on. So you're praying that mm-hmm. Dougal will make it safely beyond Mm. purgatory beyond limbo beyond not limbo but beyond purgatory and and into Mm -hmm. the afterlife in a happy way but also for jamie's Mm -hmm. soul because killing another person detracts from your own soul so are you guys Mm. liking what you're hearing (laughs) because if you are there's a way to help make this even more than what it is last season we, we worked really really hard to bring 10 episodes of Outlander Soul to you over over 20 weeks. And we, mm-hmm. we've done a great job doing it, I think. We want to kick it up some we notches. Would. We could do more of this. We could get an editor besides Terry. We could, <laughs> we could invite some more folks to come on our show and maybe get folks from afar if we had a, a different a setup for, for recording these. Mm-hmm. But we actually need your help in funding this. So if mm-hmm. you like what you hear, and if you want to somehow be a contributor and support us, you can find ways to do that on our website. So if you go to www.alandersoul.com, there's a page that says support us. And it'll give a list of different things that you can do in order to support us. Obviously, financially would be the best use for us at the moment if you have it so you can support us on patreon uh, you can support us via paypal there are a number of options but if you can't support us financially and we understand because we're also there too if you can't support us financially listen to us via the podcast radio public we get a small kickback every time that happens also stitcher we get kickback for them too Mm -hmm. yeah so so those two are great places to listen and and I mean, we love iTunes, iTunes, we love you. If you can't listen on Stitcher, if you can't listen on Radio Public, go to iTunes and review us. Just say mm-hmm. what you think. And the more reviews we get, then we'll actually be seen. That mm-hmm. allows us to, I don't know, have more people listening, maybe more people who can contribute and make this even a better mm-hmm. podcast. The other thing that's free, but if you're on social media, you know, share, share our posts, share our uh, information so that more people know of us. And then hopefully we'll have more people supporting yeah. us. So. Invite your yeah. friends to follow mm-hmm. us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. We've got pages there too. And that way we can all stay as one big happy community. Talking about one big happy community, going back to kind of what we were talking about, the Celtic 
Celtic tradition would also also sort of understand, though, you know, we've kind of lost it just within Western Christianity, but this idea of the communion of those who have gone before us, the cloud of witnesses yeah. that's talked about in Hebrew, ancestors, those who have died, who walk among us, uh, who, you know, give us warning. So we were talking about Dougal a minute ago, but there's that place in Echo in the Bone where Jamie is reflecting on the importance of that community by communing with Dougal, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's actually calling upon Dougal and calling upon others who've gone before him. I, mm. it, it may have been Colm as well. Mm. I think he did mention him. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he calls upon Brian whenever mm, his, his father, dad. his yeah. father Brian, whenever in, mm. in uh, Virgins. He calls upon Brian mm. as he is trying to, you know, make sense of, of the war he's about to. But he calls upon his ancestors quite well, a bit. Well, and in Virgins, Brian wasn't even dead yet. No. Brian was no, he, alive, but just on another continent. Yeah, he, and still called he upon still the spirit upon of his him. father. Specifically in Echo and the Bone, he goes to this pool, the White Spring. And it's a very, very old place. And he gets into the pool and Claire comes upon him holding his hands upright and open so that he it's almost as if he's receiving grace and he's Mm. he's praying and calling upon because he's about to go into a battle and he's praying and calling upon Dougal and Colum and the rest of them to be with him Mm -hmm. as he goes into battle which I find to be fascinating because he kills kills Dougal and he's still calling but he always respected Dougal's uh, sorry this is my dog it's okay she wants attention (laughs) But he, he always admired Dougal's warrior nature, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you're going into war, it wasn't... He didn't want to kill Dougal. He didn't set out to kill Dougal. But it was just kind of a... Claire comes first, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Claire comes upon him making these prayers to them. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's funny because she she recalls in that scene that he and... Brianna had had a conversation about that place. He introduces her to this pool and says this is a place where he calls mm-hmm. upon the saints. Mm-hmm. And she names a, a saint. I think it's St. Killian or something. And and he's like, no, no, no. Whatever it is that lives in such water is older than mm-hmm. the notion of saints. But it mm-hmm. listens. Again, this goes back to the Celtic spirituality of the, the rocks and the water and the trees Mm. and they all have a spirit within them that is akin to the spirit of God that God is within the water God is within the stone and that there are special places on the earth and 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 in this text in Diana Gabaldon's Mm. story there are special places Mm. the special places where the stones are this is another special place in which something is listening It's, it's like almost a place where the veil is very thin and you can mm-hmm. meet Dougal and Colum and Brian to make your plea, to make ask the intercession. I find that to be, I, I, it, it gives me goosebumps. It really gives me goosebumps. Mm. So the purpose of prayer for Jamie in the series, maybe in general, but I'm just thinking about when Claire asks Jamie to pray for her and the baby, um, Faith, while she's pregnant with Faith yeah. and Dragonfly and Amber. Yeah. Question of whether or not she thinks it's going to help. Or does she ask him to do it in order for him to feel like he's part of something, that it's the one thing that he can do, that it will prayer actually change? Which, you know, this is this is a debate. And, and for some people, I think it does. But in other situations, it doesn't. And so in that situation, 
obviously she loses the child and so prayer didn't protect them in that way what was claire's motivation for asking jamie to pray i don't know what her motivation was i mean she goes through so this is told through claire's point of view this particular Mm -hmm. bit of the story they both know there's nothing that can be done Mm -hmm. she's bleeding she might have a a placenta that's you know breaking away she's she's Mm -hmm. and, and this this actually I, I started spotting when I was pregnant with our son, and it scared us to death. Mm. But it, it was not that. But all the things that it could have been were very, very mm-hmm. scary. And so even when I was pregnant with my son just 20 years ago, there would have mm. been very little anybody could have done. There's mm. nothing that could be done if your placenta detaches, really, unless yeah. the child is older yeah. and they might be able to take it by C-section. Claire usually answers things to be done, by going out and doing mm-hmm. something. And she's not usually hoping for a miracle either. No. That would not be really in her character either. No. So when I was doing the reading through last night, catching up on this, she's about to go into a surgery. And mm-hmm. she says, I don't actually pray before surgery, but I do do something to clear mm-hmm. my mind. And so she mm-hmm. does have kind of a ritual that she does, but there's no clearing of the mind here. Because there's nothing she can do. Yeah. So I wonder if it is a centering and kind of a God's will be done sort of situation of just kind of, let's just keep this in the forefront of our thoughts. Right. As one, you know, what some people will say when they're talking about, I'm continuously praying about this. I'm just keeping it in mind. I'm keeping you in my thoughts. I don't know. Um, I, d- I don't know that I could ever say that Claire would ever say, well, it was God's will. I lost faith. No. No, I, she wouldn't say that. And I don't, I don't know that Jamie would ever say that. I, yeah. I think Jamie would believe that there might be a greater purpose to this or that maybe it can be used in some way or that God is still a kind and loving God. But seeing what Claire goes through in the story, she has such anger. I, I can't imagine her ever saying, ever being able to reconcile a God that did not protect her child. I agree. Even though she's seen the same God not protect other children. You know, yeah. I think that there's a separation there for her. But talking about that kind of the protection prayer and, you know, Jamie's repeated sort of mantra of let them be safe, she and the child. I mean, I do think when we talk about prayer, we talk about it sometimes as if it's this big grand thing and that there's, you know, these loads of, yeah, loads of things you're supposed to say, all that kind of stuff. I'm just reminded kind of if Jamie's repeated prayer was, was that of how... Anne Lamott talks about in Traveling Mercies of yeah. sometimes the only prayers you can pray are thank you, thank you, thank you, and help me, help me, help me. Yeah. And I, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I see that kind of approach to prayer in this series that I that I really appreciate. Yeah. That while, you know, Jamie might, might have the Grolic prayer that he prays, there are other times when it is, let them be safe, she and the child. Yeah. Let them be safe, she and the child. Well, I think that there's a distinct difference between the ritualistic prayer the Gralic prayer, yeah. the hearth prayer, the prayer to bless a house, the prayer to bless the warrior before he goes off, the, the ritualistic yeah. prayer that we we all understand if, you know, by saying the Our Father or by saying the Shema or, you know, by, mm-hmm. you know, crossing yourself as you're walking in, you know, as, and saying the mm-hmm. ritual uh, with the rosaries. But there's mm-hmm. a difference between that and this help me help me help me <laughs> thank you thank you thank you oh wow 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 yeah. you know there's there's yeah. there's a difference between that I, I don't think that one is better than the other but I think no 
I, I think one is it's just a little more personal. You just mentioned the hearth prayer. So the, there was, um, for those who might not be familiar with Celtic spirituality, there was a prayer that you would pray basically for every part of life, for every rhythm in your day. So we've already talked about kind of when you slaughter an animal, but also when you light the fire and when you put the fire out in the hearth. And so the sacred three, my fortress be encircling me come and be round my hearth and my home. So it would be a kind of, you would you would repeat that prayer in relation to your activities around your hearth. And it wasn't magic and it wasn't a, an attempt really to manipulate God in any way, but a reminder that the actions that we have as we go about our daily lives are surrounded by God. And so there's another prayer with St. Patrick's breastplate of Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ below me, yeah. Christ above me, Christ to my left, Christ to my right. And so this idea of that we are surrounded by God, that everything we do is is within the within the purview of God, that God's presence is is in it all. Well, I find that um, I find that interesting too because whenever mm-hmm. we have a worship service, whenever Christians mm-hmm. have a worship service, we have at the beginning of the worship service an invocation. An invocation. And yep. we and we generally yep. only do that in that space. We don't have invocations at home. Whenever we're mm-hmm. having, I mean, we have a, a blessing over mm-hmm. our meal to sometimes say thank people you. pray for a meal. Yeah. Before a meal, and sometimes that's a bit invocation-like, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's more like a Grolic prayer. Yeah, you know? most, most of the times it's more mm-hmm. like the Grolic prayer of thank you for this food or, or mm-hmm. thank you for the animal that gave its life for me and <laughs> then everybody laughs at you. But, yeah. but you know, it, it's the, the, the idea of us, we only invoke the Spirit of God in this place, I think loses something. Mm-hmm. I, I like that idea of... That God's already here. Yeah, and all we have we to do is... we don't need to ask God to present Yeah, himself, we just need to recognize that presence. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I think that's a great mm. place to end. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening for this episode. We will continue this particular conversation about Jamie's spirituality and his interior life in our next episode in a couple of weeks. We're doing things a little bit differently in this particular mm. season. Rather than giving mm-hmm. you guys uh, written questions, it, what has seemed to work best is kind of this free-form conversation that we're having with you. You're responding mm-hmm. via emails. You're sending us emails, which is pretty awesome you're talking mm-hmm. to us on facebook and other social media platforms by either responding to our posts mm-hmm. or sending us messages that way we get voice memos mm-hmm. we get on our form that we have on our website that you can contact us that way on the contact us yeah, page. yeah. so so we kind of want to keep that going that seems to be the most effective yeah we can we can ask you questions and kind of set our agenda of what we want to know but actually people and and rightly so are telling us what they want us to know we decided actually yeah that makes a lot more sense so whatever responses that you have questions that you've got things that you're wondering about or things um, we missed or you know if we miss something like i'm I'm just realizing myrta was one of the ones that that jamie was actually in in inviting to the conversation as he was praying in the pool yeah and we we forget or at least i forget that myrta you know did die in the book series and he's still floating around in the television series but Myrtle lives, lives in the tv series and so we like glad. that yeah. truly stay in contact with us we do respond yeah and we, and we love you. having this conversation with you we we look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next All time right, thanks bye-bye 
That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. We would really appreciate it if you'd review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps people to find us. If you listen and like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click the support us at outlandersoul.com. There are lots of ways to donate. Every little bit helps. Also, we'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, and ideas because part of the work that we're doing is gathering data on how fans interact with and value Outlander in their lives. So we're really interested in what you have to say. And we know Outlander fans have a lot to say. So please send us your thoughts through our website, email, voice memos, or social media, and follow the links on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. You can also contact us by email at outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com or via our website, www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you again in two weeks. See you later. See ya.